Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. Yo, what is up, our beautiful listeners? We're back with episode 14. For those of you who aren't constantly checking, we recently did a new episode, 13.5. We're looking to continue this trend as well. This is where Danny and myself go through guest lines. It's a short one, 25 minutes. Good way to start the week. Also, the friendly weekly reminder to follow us over at Ankle Pick Pod. Our locks of the week have been hitting. Shiner's parlays of the week have been doing pretty well. And it's also just overall a good time. All the, all the bets, the side bets, the fuckery that happens on this podcast continues over there. Well, I know that Reese has recently purchased his Israel Adesanya t-shirt that he will have hopefully by the end of COVID. But I the did. order status will be posted online. Yeah, Danny- the order status will be there. We'll get tracking. And I have to wear it on every podcast for eternity. And hopefully one day we turn this bad boy into a video pod once we pick up listeners. So share this bad boy. Help us get the video sooner, and then you'll have to you'll see this ugly mug of a shirt. Dan, what were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I was just at DK MMA Capper had a green week, and those are awesome. Follow that DK MMA Capper for green weeks every week. Cool, shameless self plug, love it. Okay, so we're gonna start. We're gonna recap our ankle pick lock of the week. It was our first ever last week. Danny and I got together, watched tape deep in a room, got super sweaty, super long time down there. And we came out with Casey Kenny, right? And yeah, that was uh, also, the second fight of the night. Yeah, and that actually is going to help us segue into our recap prelims. Danny and I took Casey Kenny and also Casey Kenny by decision, just because the line is a little steep. The decision got was a little bit of a sweat there. Casey Kenny was putting on an absolute beating. A lesser man falls, no doubt. But Alatang hung in there. So 1-0 on the ankle pick locks. We have another one coming up for you this week as well. So that's going to move us into the prelims from last week. We're just going to do a quick segue there. So last week's card was home versus Aldana. Pretty good card overall. The prelims were decent. For something that I was expecting to be a garbage card, it ended up being pretty good. So we'll start it off. So we did the lock of the week. Casey Kenny, just an absolute annihilation through three rounds of Alatang. It, it was Casey Kenny's looking to get back in there. I'm excited to see it. He looks like he's in his best form right now. He's primarily a wrestler, so was Alatang, and didn't even matter. Didn't even hit the mat. Casey Kenny was absolutely working him with that leg kick to the body, which was one of the most vicious bruises I've ever seen in a long time. So that was honestly a joy to watch, watching such a master class of striking. So continuing along these prelims, Danny, super high on uh, Loma, and that tie style really showed to be – beneficial for her with those quick elbows in the clinch I've never seen anything like it in my life yeah Loma looked awesome she was actually my only bet of the night uh, a big three unit hit um, this was a great performance especially after that decision lost to Angela Hill she looked super developed um, in the past what was it six months um, th- when she fought Angela Hill she looked like a Muay Thai fighter trying to 
switched to MMA and she clearly looked like she was an MMA fighter here. It's a big, big, big step up, step in the right direction for uh, Loma from Tiger Muay Thai. She should be banging on the door in this division soon. And the other thing you got to remember too is Angela Hill is no slouch. I mean, she has unbelievable footwork and is in and out. And so getting her Thai styles going can be difficult. But I was what I really took away from that fight that was shocking to me were those really, really quick elbows in the clinch. Like, you see a lot of people wind up a little bit, and she just came straight from um, the uh, tie clinch and would go straight into a quick elbow just right across. It was, it was Almost vicious. like a jab. It, it, is, it, was even, it was even quicker. It was lightning work, and one, some of the most, you can really see that her tie style is going to pay dividends in that strawweight division. So another one I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on, just because he seems to be a fan favorite, due to his story and his will to compete as Jordan Williams. Type 2 diabetic. Doctors told him on multiple occasions he won't be able to fight. But through diet, hard work, tenacity, continues to get in there. Got his UFC contract. You love to see it. This one didn't go his way, however. Imovov was trying to work on him, but it was a, it was a close fight. I, I, that one was one that I really enjoyed seeing. So now this is where... I need to admit my fault. I this is so I was in the green. I took Casey Kennedy, um, and then I took the under in Charles Jordan. And I really thought Charles Jordan was going to go out there and absolutely work this guy over. I think that his adrenaline and wanting to finish this fight so fast and put on a show really caught him in that first round. And then he slowly had to pick it back up throughout, and it ended in a draw. Weirdly enough, so. Not the result I wanted. Went to the books. That was the one that brought me into the red on the night. So you hate to see it. Wish I was as good as Danny MMA Capper. And then the feature prelim of the night, which honestly, we all looked at each other beforehand. was like, this needs to be a main Carter. I'm shocked it wasn't, but stoked to see it anyways. It's Carlos Condit, the, the wily old veteran versus another vet, Court McGee. Shiner, you were talking about how excited you were for this one. Yeah, yeah, Reese. I mean... I'm always excited every time Carlos Condit fights. I know, Reese, we've touched on this a lot, that I'm a newer fan of the sport, um, albeit the intensity of fandom that I have brought to it uh, since becoming a, a diehard MMA fan. But Carlos Condit, the natural-born killer, has always been a name that's been on my radar. If you look at who he's lost to, I know he came in with uh, on a five-fight losing streak, but the losses and the names of those losses um, are no slouches by any imagine. Um, Robbie Lawler, Damian Maya, Neil Magny, Alex Oliveira, Michael Chiesa most recently. Big win for him over Court McGee. Almost had TKO. I believe it was in the second round. But all in all, good win on Fight Island. And curious to yeah. see if he takes on next. Maybe it's a Diego Sanchez, yeah. a, a, also, another Wiley vet. Or uh, it, it could even be someone uh, closer to the bottom of the rankings who's looking for a name to uh, yeah step on over. But all yeah, in all, he for Condit. Yeah, he was saying that – so he was saying that he feels good, and he looked pretty good too. It, that first round, I actually was scoring for McGee until that knockdown. But you got to remember the Robbie Lawler fight in 2016 was a decision that a lot of people thought was a, a robbery, and that was actually for the welterweight title. So all of what, four years ago? That was January. So four years ago, he was fighting for the welterweight title, fights um, Maya. He's, no, he's not easy by any means. Took some breaks and just like you said, fought some real good guys. So and and Court McGee's no slouch either. I mean, Court McGee's one of those guys who, you know, his story's amazing, but he also has battled some 
some warriors in there. I mean, Sean Brady, who we all realize now, he went to decision with him. That's a good win and, or a good loss. Um, and so his level of competition also has been up there. So both those guys, I don't know if Courts will be a Hall of Famer. Carlos Condit certainly will be. So that was one that was exciting to see. And An interesting name for me for next for Carlos Condit is what about a rematch of UFC 143? We've heard a lot of rumors about Nick Diaz training again and maybe making a return. What about Diaz Condit too? Would you? I, I've heard that as well, like, Danny. I personally would like to fight, see uh, Nick Diaz fight someone. I don't want to say better because that's not the right word, but uh, more noteworthy. Do you know who could be a good one for Carlos is a rematch of, of Lawler. You know Lawler's fallen on some tough times recently. Hasn't won Definitely. in a while. That could be a good rematch for him. But I don't love the Nick Diaz one. I think there's a bigger fight that can be made with Nick Diaz. But, you know, I'm excited to see where Carlos kind of goes from here. But overall, for a card that a lot of people weren't really excited about and that had a good amount of decisions – on the prelim even, I think, yeah, everyone except the first one went to decision. I enjoyed this card. It, it could just be because I'm a, a crackhead and I love the sport, but uh, nonetheless, excited to see those good prelims. So moving on to the main event, we're only going to touch on a couple here. We're trying to shorten this bad boy up because we're all so passionate about it. But, you know, when we're getting into the hour and a half, hour 45, even we start falling asleep. So we're going to keep it short. Great podcast, great content, and because of that, we're going to streamline it a little bit. So, Daquan Townstead lost TKO, not that surprising. Kyler Phillips also, he won with a TKO, and, and we were talking. We, there's not much to really show here other than the fact that both Dusko and Kyler fought guys who, I mean, we all look at each other and we're like, are they really in the UFC right now? I mean, I don't even know. They might not even make the Bellator roster. Sure, so, hey. that was just – Small fish. Yeah, seriously, it was just a, a sending a lamb to slaughter. Um, but that is when we segued into the fight, segued into the fights that really got your blood pumping. So for this for this main card, I'm someone who's not the biggest fan of women's MMA. It's a little slow for me. A lot of decisions. These two women's fights on this card in this bantamweight division absolutely held up and absolutely showed the capability of these. Uh, women to put on good fights. So, so starting it off is the J or GDR versus Juliana Pena. That fight was a good one. I, the outcome too, for those who don't track the props, 20 to one GDR gets a submission with victory over the black belt. She did just that with that guillotine. What did you guys see in that one? Cause that one for me didn't go the way I expected. I expected GDR to win, but if you told me by sub, I'd call you a liar. Yeah, I mean, that, that guillotine came out of nowhere for sure. Uh, she definitely has the kickboxing background to go with anyone. I was surprised that it did hit the mat, seeing that she has great takedown defense. But when it did, she was ready. She was prepared. She had a plan. That's, yeah. all, you, that's all you can say. And GDR is the first leg of my parlay of the week, which unfortunately, as we uh, get to the heavyweight fight, I will touch on a little bit further. We are up <laughs> 1.6 units all time, though. So uh, keep keep following on, in on those. But what I think was really cool, and we came into last week a little bit nervous about the quality of the card. What ended up being really cool about this card is that all four of the female fighters on the main card are all so talented that it bypassed any preconceived notion we had of it being a weak card. But back to the fight, I mean, I'm a huge GDR fan. I think, as we'll touch on later, I think I know who she should face in her next fight. But, 
yeah, technical sub was not by any means what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe a stand-up no. board that she would win. But it's cool to see these older vets who um, not only are still contenders, but are continually refining their craft. And uh, pretty excited to see GDR's next fight as well. Yeah, GDR has been in the sport for a while, but I honestly can say she's as good now as she's ever been. So it's it's exciting to see her. Honestly, look looks like she's probably going to be getting another shot at Nunes soon if she scrapes together a couple, and that will continue us in. So so we're, let's go to the heavyweight fight. So this is the leg that cost you on your parlay, and the story behind it's quite funny. If you care to share, yeah, I I gladly will. So I was up. Um, in northern Wisconsin for the weekend with, with a bunch of my buddies from all over the place. And uh, one of my New York buddies, we were watching the fights together, told me that Jorgen DeCastro is actually a bouncer, I believe, um, in his area in New York. So I obviously, along with the boys, uh, went all in on Jorgen. Looking back, probably not the best decision by any means. Um, a favorite who definitely did not have the talent gap by any means over Felipe. It was a little bit of a boring fight. I know with heavyweights, we love to see the quick knockouts or just the crazy finishes in general. But nonetheless, Felipe did look really good uh, in the stand-up. He had some pretty nasty combos. I don't believe he's going to be a contender by any means, but definitely a guy uh, to keep on your radar because he was the underdog and he definitely took care of business on Saturday against the Castro. All the best to my boy, Jorgen. I would love to find a guy who could look you dead in the eyes and be like, no, Carlos Felipe is going to contend in this, league, in this division. I could see him fighting Francis. I would love to see that. Because to me, he was calling for a bonus. Very iffy performance out of the heavyweights. But it's good to see some heavyweights that actually go the distance. You know, I mean, Jorgen's gone the distance twice in a row. Uh, Greg Hardy and now uh, Carlos. So that's exciting. And let's truck on to this main event just to close off last week and open up this new week, which seems to be promising. So Holly Holm, Irene Aldana. Holy shit. Holly Holm, if you mention the word retirement around her, she'll shoot you. You know, she's got no plans anytime soon. She feels as good as ever. She looks to be as in shape as ever and put on an absolute clinic against Irene Aldana. I mean, it, to me, I know, so the performances in Fight of the Nights last week, you said Holm got one. Do you guys remember who got the other ones? Holm did not get any of that. Oh, I thought uh, you said she did. The night were GDR, Kyler Phillips, Dusko Todorovic, and Luigi Vendramini. Okay, and then no Fight of the Night? No Fight of the Night. Okay, cool. So, and you, you know, I stand by all those because they're all good finishes. They were all great performances. And Holly Holm's obviously taken home the biggest cheddar on the night. But – for an overall domination one way, just completely clean the scorecards, that Holly Holm fight was as good as I've ever seen. You know, I, it, she, to me, give her a shot or at least put her in the number one contender spot because holy shit, did she look good. So really interesting note, um, Holly came from a boxing background, the preacher's daughter, as we all know. She was actually put on the ballot for the Boxing Hall of Fame this past week prior to her fight, which is pretty Not damn surprised. cool, uh, yeah. leading into what has been an incredibly successful UFC career. But back to the fight, I mean, she looked just dominant. And I know I was touching on before a fight that I like for GDR, and that fight is against Holly Holm. The way I see the women's heavier weight classes panning out is it's really Amanda, Amanda's show. 
Amanda most likely will be facing Megan Anderson uh, coming up here in December. And I really would like to see a fight between Holly and GDR take place with the winner taking on most likely Amanda, but the winner of the uh, Nunez-Anderson fight. I think both fighters in Holm and GDR are both worthy uh, foes for Amanda, especially at bantamweight, which we know Amanda doesn't really love the idea of coming down to. But nonetheless, Holly Holm looked awesome. Aldana was a big name, Mexican fighter, a lot of steam behind her, and Holm took care of business, 50-45 across the board, 50-44 in there, and just looked awesome. Glad to see Holly yeah. And I don't think Shiner could be any more right. GDR versus Holly Holm for the next shot seems as good a match as any for me. I know G GDR recently fought Nunez, and it, it wasn't great. But honestly, the second time around when you could take the notes back, what, Shine? That was thinking? a good fight. That was it a was, but, but It was, but were you ever like, oh, Amanda might lose this? I wasn't. No, no, I no. wasn't Amanda might lose no, this fight. But GDR definitely showed to be a very worthy opponent and a numbers-type opponent for Amanda. I agree GDR gave I agree up the second Amanda took her down. I mean, and, and that's reasonably so. I mean, Amanda is amazing everywhere and the most well-rounded fighter, pound for pound possibly. But So the problem is, is when you have champions like Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko, it's like genuinely hard to find these girls' opponents. I mean, I... I just don't know how. So even like a home, home versus, versus GDR, an amazing fight. But then either of those people against Nunez, it's like, I mean, the line's got to be over four or 500 still, you know, probably minus 400, something crazy like that, which just really is more than anything else. Hats off to Amanda Nunez, really shows how good she really is. Dan, what were you going to say? Yeah, to, I mean, for me, this was the second performance or the second best performance of Holly's life, uh, obviously besides the Ronda head kick. She looked unreal against a, yeah. a real contender in Irene Aldana. I think y'all hit the nail on the head next to her is GDR, and the winner of that gets Nunez again. It's interesting. Holly still has never lost a non-championship fight in her career. Is that – wow. That is a stat and a half right there. Um, wow. I am shocked by that. So you heard it here first. Well, you didn't hear it here first, maybe. Maybe you knew, but I heard it here first that Holly almost never lost a non-championship bout ever. That's crazy. And back to the That being said, GDR she fight. lost to Tate, Shevchenko, GDR. Uh, wait, wait, that GDR. Yeah, that was for a title. Ba women's yeah. featherweight. Is the they fought for the inaugural. And then Cyborg and Nunez. They fought for the inaugural featherweight title, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, that is it. That was it. So that was, what, Wait, three years, yeah, yeah, three yeah, and a half yeah, years ago? Yeah, that was a good yeah. fight, though. I know that... No, it was uh, great. It was, an, it was an absolute nail-biter. Jermaine took the decision. I'm looking at the scorecards. It was 48-47 across the board. Run that back. I'm about I it. Agree. I'll watch it. I'm with you. I'm with you. At Bantam, no less, too. A healthier weight for both those girls. I, when you watched that performance last weekend, you, it really does shut everyone up calling for retirement. She looked great. I mean, absolutely great. So... That's it for last week. Overall, we were – last week's episode, we were talking about how this isn't the most exciting card. We even were talking about how that last week's episode might even be a little shorter because there's just not much to talk about. But overall, I, I thought it – yeah, it was entertaining. Thumbs up for me. So we're going to do our news and notes segment now, parlaying into it. So this is just – we're going to touch on a couple stories, not too long – just stuff that we've seen in the news, MMA news this week, 
that really caught our attention or really was a topic of discussion for us in our personal chats just because we love this stuff. So starting off the news and notes, Bellator got some crazy signs recently to really step up their talent pool. Danny, are you still writing over there for Bellator? I, I am not still writing for Bellator. Boom, but that's this not great. big news. That's not this great. This is big did news. Typos, Dan? What, what, what did you in? I sent them four articles, <laughs> and they didn't publish any of them, and I got frustrated and told them this wasn't for me. <laughs> Fair enough. I, and I respect that. For those who don't know Dan, He's he's meant to be a capper. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, he putting his putting his hands behind the typewriter is a waste of your talent. But so moving forward, you still know Bellator with the best of them. So let's talk about these signs really quick. We got Habib's brother, right, the one who hopped the fence. Right. And so Kana these the these face. signings are really bigger news for the UFC. Um, Usman Nurmagomedov, who's undefeated, Khabib's brother. The UFC thought they were going to get him. Uh, he signed with Scott Coker. He signed with Bellator, and, and that's a big get. That's a big star. I have to say one thing. How, like, how little are the chances that in the 13 or 14 UFC champions that two last names would combine to be one fighter? <laughs> Usman Nurmagomedov. Oh, Mar Usman. Khabib yeah, Nurmagomedov. Yeah, you think that they would have more names out there than that. but And, and also, not only that, but it's not like a Brett. You know what I mean, it's like two obscure ass names. Back to back weight classes. Things are weird yeah, in the you, world, right? You now. know, we're in a simulation, but that's a topic for another time. Um, the one I liked was I saw the Brett John sign, and yeah, Bellator still has their flyweights, right? Oh, for sure. So, so that to me is a better place for Brett, and he was fighting up at thirty five in the UFC, and 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 I think that this could be a great way to make more money than he probably would in the UFC fight at his natural weight class. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, book me on it now, if Brett Johns finds his way back to the UFC a, after he fights off this contract, um, probably coming in as a ranked. And I think the flyweight division for the UFC, since Cejudo saved it, it might plump up a little bit, and then he'll find a healthier home there. But that's a great signing. Um, the last one is Rustam Havilov, uh, who's 7-1 yeah. and one in his last eight UFC fights. Uh, he's got a win over Jorge Masvidal in his career. No, he's a great young talent. I, that had to be money. For, uh, for sure. It's got to be. It had to be. Because he, when you look at talent-wise, it's not like the UFC didn't want this guy. You know, I mean, he's making noise in amongst their own fighters. So that one's got to be money. But the thing is, is I've always been someone. So I, I'm someone if, who, if you haven't noticed, is quite a, is a little bit of a hardcore. And I'm the guy who stays up at 3 a.m. and watches one championship and watches Bellator on Fridays and I, you know, the whole nine yards. And one thing I can say is every year Bellator makes more and more strides. And the thing is, is I'm also a finance guy. And, and if, if I could say anything, competition helps everybody. It, it helps produce a better product. So I love seeing Bellator go out there, make some good signs and, you know, put some heat under the, the UFC's touch. Maybe, honestly, if everything goes well, UFC will start paying their fighters better, which would be great for everybody. But yeah, back to the UFC. They, they themselves had a huge signing for the middleweight division. I know that a lot of people, not particularly us, are talking about how Izzy's phenomenally head and shoulders above the rest of his division. There's one <laughs> guy in history in his, in his big, extensive 100-victory 
um, kickboxing and MMA background, and it's Alex Pereira. He's he's got two losses to Alex, one by KO. If you rewatch that first one, I actually think Izzy got robbed. I think he won the fight. But Alex is a guy who, in all reality, Izzy's probably afraid of, and there aren't many people in the world. And, and the thing is, for Alex, too, is this. It's like you look at a guy like this, and you're like, you know, how is his skills in kickboxing going to translate over to MMA as he, as he tries to rise through the ranks? Because a guy like Izzy's safe right now because he has a little bit of say in who he fights, and they're going to stay on the feet and all this stuff. But if you give – you know, Alex, Jack Hermanson or, or Rob Whitaker, like these guys are going to try to wrestle him and, and see if he's really a full mixed martial artist. And so I think that Izzy is aware of this. And I think Izzy being as confident and as cocky as he is, I don't, I don't expect him to be too worried about it, but hopefully in the years to come, we can see a full, true kickboxing in the UFC middleweight championship fight and, and really see if Izzy's really what, what everyone says he is. Right, I agree. After he gets, right, I, after he gets I don't think that he's afraid of him right away. No, I. If he's no matter who you are, you got some work to do to get to get up there. Okay, so this is a story that I missed, but we touched on it a little bit. Darren Till's cornering Mike Perry. Mike Perry's just sending out bids now. He's like, I don't even give a shit who's in there because I'm so not Mike Perry. After having only his girlfriend Latori Gonzalez in his in his corner for the last fight. He decided his, his uh, a really smart marketing move. Add, add his new girlfriend. This Remember, he had that blonde girl for like four years. She said he's a Satan wrapped in human clothing. And then he knocks some guy, old guy out at a bar. Great punch, though. Stiff right jab. And then he has this new girlfriend cornering him. And now he looks like dog shit against a fighter of the caliber of Mickey Gall. And he's like, you know what? Let's just, let's just clown around right now. Remember, he started 9-0 and with nine knockouts, and now Mike Perry's a guy that I'm not too scared of. I mean, I'm scared of. I mean, I'm sitting down. But, yeah, great marketing move. He, he yeah. sold his corner spot. He said, whoever the highest bidder is, you got it. And, um, Wait a second. Right now, the, the front runner has got to be Darren Till. He's, he put up uh, at least 5000 of his own money, and he's got a Kickstarter whose goal is 50 k Melky Kawa has said that there's some NFL players who are talking about it. Um, who who want to maybe bid, outbid him, but I would love to see Darren Till in this corner. And Darren has said that he'd take it seriously. So wait, people are why not? Oh, I miss. I thought what happened was I thought he was like whoever's willing to take the least amount of money, I'll pay. But people are paying him to. to people are paying him. him, paying him travel, everything. This all started with I believe the two of them train once together. There's a picture of them two like in the gym. But it became just an absolute Twitter hysterical, like, back and forth. And it still is even now. I would put the line right now at probably a plus 200 that Till even actually corners him. But it's pretty funny. He's got, like, 50,000 euros um, on a GoFundMe right now. I love it. It's good That's for both cool. guys, honestly. No, it is. And, and Darren Till's a clown. If you don't follow him on Twitter, follow Ankle Pick Pod first, and then go ahead and follow Darren Till. Because that man is an absolute clown on Twitter. It's unbelievable. He's so funny. Yeah, he Wild is. Dog, so, okay, so so Peter Yan tells Aljo that the UFC has other plans. What's going on there? Have have has there any has there been any? Because Aljo's been first in line for a while now. Yeah, that's another Twitter development. Uh, Aljo was barking up Piotr Yan's tree, and Piotr Yan kind of was ignoring him for a while, and then he came out of the clouds and said, actually, I just talked to the UFC, and they've got other plans. 
And so it seems like um, Aljo is going to get screwed over once again. See, and I, I don't for like who, Aljo's corner. But for who? They have, they have Marlon fighting Corey Sandhagen right now. It's going to be Aljo. I don't get why they're doing this to him. Not only is he a great fighter and incredibly exciting, the funk master, but he's also incredibly marketable. He has his own podcast. He's from a very prominent gym at Saralongo. It makes no sense. I don't get this. Shine around with you. You look at the rankings, and the only question you can ask is for who. I mean, unless it's some sort of of big money grab that we're missing, you know what I mean? Like some no, maybe like I don't. So, so yeah. if we want a name out yeah. of left field, if we want a name out of left field, be there's that a guy is, who has not name. fought in the UFC yet. He was a recent signing. He is also the last person to beat Pyotr Jan. Uh, they, they, they both fought at ACB, uh, the, the Russian promotion, and traded off championships back and forth, actually. Um, and he got signed pretty recently. It could be a huge money buy in just like the Russian market. Uh, yeah. I know Magomed hasn't done anything in the yeah, UFC and hasn't any? earned anything. It's like a, it's Magomed Magomedov. Love that name. Is this, is that, is that his USA debut? Cause that name sounds extremely familiar. I've either it's seen it in another debut. promotion. Wow. Okay. Well, so he, uh, I don't actually think it's going to happen, yeah, but it's say, a name on a left field. Dana White's a random guy, and he's a money man, to say the least, but even he doesn't really give people inaugural title shots like, hey, come in the UFC. I know he's talking about it. Hey, you know what? Michael Chandler, wasn't he on for a sub? In that? So I guess you never know, but th- that would seem – I think that MMA fans, especially the hardcore community, would be very upset by Aljo getting jumped yet again. And unless Aljo's being like – Sometimes it comes down to contract negotiations and stuff, but it's hard to see anyone getting this opportunity in the bantamweights unless it's Cejudo coming back or Aljo. So we'll see. But for those hardcore MMA fans, go check out that Pyotr Jan Magomed Magomedov fight. Both of them, they're awesome, awesome fights. No, oh yeah, I mean for sure. the dude's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he de- he definitely is legit. And um, last thing, Izzy John Jones beefing on Twitter like absolute children. I know they were throwing each other's parents in the mix, and I, I imagine it's just like the Acosta beef, and it's just fake. But who knows? I, I don't even know. Are they actually met? Like I, John, you never know what you're getting with John Jones. Yeah. So this is really interesting. Um, I think right now John Jones's name is not very relevant in the fight game because of not only his last couple performances, but his tentative move to heavyweight, and it sounds like Stipe. Um, is still completely undecided on who he wants next. This is a little weird. I mean, Izzy's a guy, they call him Internet Izzy for a reason. He's down to get in any Twitter battle with anyone, and he knows he wants to fight John Jones. But with that being said, he, as he said in the media on multiple occasions, he's got time. He's a young fighter. He's only two defense, or sorry, yeah, two defenses into his UFC title reign. It's like, John is trying to leverage Izzy before Izzy's really ready. And it's putting Izzy in a tough spot because he is up to this point, pretty, a, a pretty dominant champion. But in terms of what I'm looking for as an Izzy fan and as a pretty knowledgeable fight fan, I must say at this point in the game, I don't want to see this fight yet. I want to see John Jones either test the waters at heavyweight or finally answer the bell against Jan and, and retain his light heavyweight belt. I don't give a shit if he vacated it for a hot sec or not, but I want Izzy 
fully ready to go at 205 before I see this fight because I don't want Izzy's legacy being tarnished by um, a jealous, a little bit irrelevant John Jones right now. And that's yeah, my John would take yeah. John would take him into deep waters. For me, I think that tables have recently turned in this whole relationship. If you go back, John Jones has been calling out Izzy since the Gaslam win because he knows what's coming for him. He knows about money fights. He knows what marketing is. And he knows what he wants, and he knows what he can get. It's switched. We've got one champion in this relationship, and it's Izzy. It's not Whoa. John Jones. I John mean, Jones has nothing to offer Izzy in terms of marketing from this perspective until he goes and gets his belt back. You think see, Izzy's going to risk a move to 205 and not I, get the strap from a win? I, I don't I, think he's doing that. No, I strongly, 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 strongly disagree with you. He's pound for pound best, overall unanimous goat in the sport. I think he doesn't fight. have a belt. In terms I, of straight you, just risk reward, who, you're not risking you a loss think, against the the, who, the goat. Who do you think for is no more? Strap. Who do you think has more to lose taking that fight, Izzy or John? The guy with the belt. That's shocking to me. Shiner, you agree? But it, it, it literally one person has something to lose. Don Jones doesn't have a lot right now except being the goat, which I completely understand. That's a huge pound for pound goat, all time goat, and undefeated. Reputation is one not thing. On this sport is about hardware. Yeah, Reputation on is one thing. This sport is about hardware. I agree. And it's all about recency bias. Like, yeah, Carlos Condit's a Hall of Famer, but in terms of today's UFC, it doesn't like it, his Hall of Fame status doesn't cement him as a great but, fight for anyone now. But John Jones literally gave his light heavyweight belt away because he was too tired of He was like, I don't even give a shit. I don't I'm know if it was a too tired. Right, and now he doesn't have it. I'm too tired. He doesn't give a shit. He's all about he wants his to belt more than he wants to beat John Jones. He's self-image over all right I, now. I think I agree. I think that this a victory over John Jones would be a the the biggest accomplishment is he's ever done in his entire career, more than the belt. In the eyes and of I don't fans. think it's close. I I don't know that. Hopefully, we see this fight so we can dive deeper into that one. But it's it's again just like the Costa Izzy. It's it's tough to see it your way. But hey, I was wrong the first time, so who the hell knows? We just finished off last week. We're going to move forward into this week. This one's more exciting, has a lot more to give on the surface than last week. We got a great main event, great main card through and through. So we're going to start off with the prelims as usual. This one, oh, actually, we're going to start off with our lock of the week, the ankle pick lock of the week coming up for this week. It is on the prelim card. No, it's not. It is on the main event card. Danny and I are between two. Dan, you want to introduce the ankle pick lock of the week this week? Yeah, our length of the pock, uh, our ankle pick lock of the week is out <laughs> of the great country of Brazil. Edson, motherfucking Barbosa, with the fastest so switch Danny, kick in the league. So Danny and I were talking about this one. We we had a couple that we were running through. We really liked a lot. We we got some early preliminary taping in. What we really see here is if you if you caught our, our 13.5 episode with the picks, we really dove into it a little bit deeper, but we'll just talk surface level on this, and then we'll probably dive back into it when we do the main event challenge. We just saw that the, the styles of both these fighters, both Maquan and Edson, favor Edson, and the way we see this fight going, even though the line is steamed up a little bit, I think it's already at minus 250, we both agreed that there's tremendous value to be had there if you really uh, – play it now or earlier in the week before it steams up even higher just because of a matchup thing more than anything else so go ahead and check last week out if you'd like 
we dive into it as we're guessing the lines for it, but we didn't even identify it as a lock. So now you know. Um, but we're also going to dive more into it and go into the main event challenge. But that's this ankle pick lock of the week. We got Edson Barbosa minus 250. And we're going to post that over on Twitter at ankle pick pod. So featured prelims. The prelims look okay this week. Um, uh, there's a couple that really jumped out at me. Impus fighting again, which is pretty cool. Another one. That Giga's we were, a lot of fun. Giga's a lot of fun. And Omar Morales is actually the favorite in that one. So there might be value there on Giga as the dog. Um, and then the other thing, too, is when Danny and I were discussing Eagle Pick or the, the lock of the week, Tony Kelly was the runner up at minus, what was it, 200 or something like that. So that one is something that I definitely want to touch on. So, Danny, I think you wanted to start yeah. on the, the cherry pop on the prelims. Yeah, let me. Uh kick off the curtain jerker we've got Tagir Lombekov and Bruno Silva this one's a, a really cool stylistic one um for starters it's two natural bantam weights fighting at flyweight which is which is going to be fun the weigh-ins on Friday are going to be pretty impactful uh whether or not either of them don't make weight on top of that Bruno Silva is a guy who trains with Henry Cejudo and Tagir is a guy who trains with Khabib those are two of the most well-respected martial artists of all time. Um, Tagir was actually supposed to fight, I think, a couple months ago and had to uh, push it back because of Umar Nurmagomedov's death. Um, and Silva's a guy who I know we were talking about the ankle pick lock of the week. Casey Kenny last week, Silva has a draw with him. But that was back in LFA. Since then, Bruno has is 0-2 in the UFC you can't kind of put it together in the octagon. And Tagir's a natural wrestler who's much bigger than him at 5'7". I think that Ulan Bekov is going to be able to get this one into his realm and make this a grind for Bruno Silva, who does have a good jiu-jitsu background, but I think that this top pressure from Tagir is going to be just nuts. Dan, do you see value at plus 325 for Bruno Silva? The line opened at 220, steamed all the way to 325. Any value there, or, or is this a layoff? I think that there's a little bit of value, but I'm going to actually pass. Bruno Silva, like, he has a better caliber of opponent face, but they didn't end well for him. And he, he's yeah, yet but, to prove himself. I, I, maybe a sprinkle, but it's de it's definitely not going to be a, a unit play for me. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Danny knows a lot about both those guys. They're, the lines seem to steam up to exactly what Danny's been saying, so – Looks like it's going to be a layoff for me. So the, the Giga Jakatsi omar Morales fight, that one intrigues me on the surface just because the line. Giga opened at a plus 125, or he opened at a plus 155, steamed down to a plus 125. That, that fight will just be a really good fight. I'm actually, to be honest with you, shocked it's on the prelims because that was one of my most excited fights. And then, okay, and then so our runner-up for the ankle pick lock of the week, the Ali Alakasi. What is that, Dan? Al Casey. Al Casey versus Tony Kelly. That one is the one that intrigued me the most. I like Tony Kelly there. Ali Al Casey fought Erwin Rivera and lost by decision, which is just a bad look. I mean, I no disrespect to Erwin Rivera whatsoever, but I mean, he's the definition of a COVID fighter. They grabbed him, used him for short notice fill-ins on a lot of these fights. And Aaliyah Casey lost that one. And, and I remember watching that one. I think I've watched that one twice now. And it, it just, it didn't look good for me. Tony Kelly's got the skill sets to really bring this one to where he wants. 
um, also has the height and reach advantage. So whether this stays standing or goes to the ground, I'm feeling pretty confident in him. And the line right now is sitting at Tony Kelly minus 230, opened at 160. So a little value lost. I personally am still going to be riding it. But note, just note that when I place mine, I, I think I got it close to like 195. So 230, still playable in my eyes. But yeah, I see Tony Kelly taking that prelim. And that's another one that I think is going to be a really good For fight. me, I, I like Tony Kelly too. He has great footwork, great striking at range, and Chris combos. What worried me about taping the, the admittedly only one fight that I watched, uh, he struggles with some head movement in, in his strike defense in late, late in rounds. He kind of tends yeah, he, to get tired. And... He stays on the center line for sure, gets flat-footed. But I don't, I don't foresee that being an issue, but um, cross that bridge. And if he can add up those calf kicks early, this, this one could be a crippled opponent right quick. And, it, and, I, and I know a lot of you guys haven't been watching UFC or MMA as, as a whole that long. But when I was watching – that calf kick you rarely saw. People didn't utilize it near as much. That recently, I'd say the last year, year and a half, has become an absolute weapon. I remember Gilbert Melendez getting a huge welt in one of his fights, costing a lose, and now you're seeing people get compromised all the time with it. And Tony Kelly likes to utilize that. Good cornering out of him. And I, I really just, again, I know there's always a path to victory for every fighter, but I, I feel really good about Tony Kelly, even at 230. Um, Impa Kasanganai, he's a guy that we've seen a lot recently. I've been on him for a while. Um, young, inexperienced fighter. Um, but he, he's got the athletic ability and the skill set to beat anyone. Um, and he's fighting Buckley, a guy who recently fought Kevin Holland when he was making his UFC debut. Buckley is a massive man. A guy who, realistically, when you look at him physically – they have very similar builds. So it's going to come down more to technique and skill set in this one because I don't believe or foresee Impa being able to use his athletic ability to, to beat down Buckley. And this line is Impa minus 250. So apparently the skill set's giving the nod to Impa. I know Buckley's a little uh, on the smaller side for this division, but so is Impa. So that's one to watch out for. I'm expecting fireworks in that one. I, I'm not necessarily calling it guaranteed knockout, and I know it's not going to be technically the crispest fight around because they're both rather inexperienced and rather young at 26, but that's one just two freakishly athletic guys that are looking to throw hands in there. Um, you got to imagine and, that they've got combined 6% body fat, maybe yeah, less. Yeah, honestly, honestly, yeah. They're, they're both just jacked off out of their mind. And as far as the other two goes, the main event or the prelim main event, and then also the Chris Dawkins who recently fought versus Rodrigo Ferreira. I, I don't have much to say on either of these guys. I, I, I think that heavyweight fight is going to be a little bit of a, a snoozer. I know Dawkins doesn't have the crispest striking. Yeah, he's plus 225. I'm not surprised there. And then the main event prelim. What, what's the main event prelim here? It's, uh, oh, KV Bilar versus Tom Breeze. I mean, I, I, I don't really see Bilar having much of a chance, but again, um, I he might be making his UFC debut in all honesty at 28. So he is, so we'll see. So moving on to the main event challenge, uh, a game that we do weekly here where we pick and predict the main event for points. You get two points by right pick one point by method. I believe I, I it's a, it's a, it's a competitive game here over at ankle pick. None of us want to lose because we all have way too much pride. It's almost a problem. Gotta be an ego thing. And 
So we're all fighting here. There is a punishment for last, which honestly, Parker's not here today. So between all of us, he's, he's looking pretty poised for that one. But so we're going to go ahead. We're going to predict you get two points for right pick, one point for method. And this one's a six fight main card. So this is going to be an exciting one. A lot of points to be had and hopefully people can edge. So Kobe, I'm going to give you the floor, go over the standings and then also last week's results while you're here. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Kobe. Last week, not a whole lot of moves being made. Um, we all hovered around about the same totals uh, with some heavy, with some big favorites there. Uh, the separator was the home Aldana fight and Max and Parker were on the right side of that one. Max led the way with 10 points last week, four, four correct winners. Parker had nine, myself and Reese had eight each and Danny was seven. As far as total season long standing shakeout, Max made some moves separating himself from Danny by that three-point margin uh, to move from fourth to third, or tied for third. So at MMA capper. Wait, he's tied, he's tied for third? He's solo third now. Oh, wow. I'm okay, so boys. Reese in a solo second with 93. Myself. How many back am I of Reese right now? First to last. If we're speaking margins, I'm in first with 109 points. Uh, that's a 16-point margin to 93 second place with Reese who has a two-point lead on Shiner, who has a three-point lead on Danny, who has a 10-point lead on Parker. Point totals aside. Moves are being made, though. Point totals aside, it looks like there's a competition for second place, and uh, Parker's trying to break out of the last spot that he's in. But before we get into this week, we're missing Parker this week, as noted. A little surprise pronunciation of the week. I got one directed at Shiner. Uh, Who's fighting Marcus Perez? My heart just sank. (laughs) Who is fighting Marcus Perez? Doing a little Wikipedia out of South Africa, so I'm going No, Wikipedia, with the, hey, Wikipedia tells you how to sound it out. No, I didn't look at that. South Africa's there. So I'm thinking out of a Dutch uh, tone. Drikus du Plessis. Drikus du Plessis. That's what we've been going with. I don't know if he's Drikus du Plessis. He, whoa, 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 whoa. Same birthday as me. So let's go. So now, now you know what goes into the decision making between (laughs) between for the hardcore MMA fan that is Max Shiner, who is currently above at MMA Capper DK in our picking standings. True. Who went green last week in real money? True. All right, boys. Before we get off track, real money is the only language we speak here. But real, real quick. So we're gonna go through this. To so Kobe, don't get too complacent in first here now because it's only October and we're going through December on this bad boy. So I don't want you sitting up there all complacent and happy thinking you're gonna coast into victory because you think that this point margin stopped me before. Come on now, son, no way, not gonna happen. So we're gonna start it off. I think the order we've had some off camera arguments about order, we think that there's a big advantage going, and I'm inclined to agree. But because I'm the competitor and the champion and the confident that I am, I'll go first. Dan's going to go second, and then we're going to have... My picks are made and published to one of the members, so uh, I'm not so worried about them. We're going to have Kobe go third, and then Shiner close it out at fourth. Give me every advantage I can. Reese, I'm coming for you this week, bro. Not worried about you, Chief. That's why I gave it to you. So I'm going to start it off. I'm going to go first. And so this this one is one that I thought the line was going to be a much higher on. So I'm going to go ahead and just continue with my initial guts. It scares me that the line's lower. I won't even lie. Oh, wow. Kobe, 
line opened at minus 270 and has dropped to 185. A super sharp bet early on that one. I don't give a shit. My, my, my brain is telling me to fade, but my heart is telling me that Yusuf Salal by decision. So, yeah, I'm second. I'm, I'm down to let the aggregators aggregate, give them all the advantage they need. Zalal's on a fun win streak with a variety of finishes. He's got a great Muay Thai background. Tapuria is a guy I'm worried about. His grappling. Yeah, the guy didn't tape a ton. I don't think I'm going to bet Zalal, but I've also got Zalal by decision. I think his takedown defense is pretty damn good, and this fight, this fight shouldn't hit the mat. I am worried about Tapuria a... by sub, but um, Zalal's Muay Thai should be, should be enough here. Salal's so got great Muay Thai stand-up, and he also has great cardio and footwork. So, it, and takedown defense, as you added. So, Zalal's a guy that's been on my radar for a little bit now. And so, the betting line, the better in me, is telling me to fade this notion because I thought the line would be a much higher. So it, And there was a massive sharp bet as the line opened. But I'm still going to stick with my guts, and I'm going to sit on Zalal still. And I know, Dan, it sounds like you're doing the same. So, Dan and I are both going to go Zalal by decision. Kobe, that, that brings you up. Yeah, Zalal decision. For my pick in this one, I have been going back and forth. I was originally thinking Zalal decision. Then I was thinking potentially going a little bit of sub for Tupuria um, because there is value not only in the main event challenge, but also in terms of the lines. But with that being said, I am going to go Zalal decision on this one. I think I like where the money is at. I don't care about the sharp. I'm going to stick with the guy who started at minus 220. Yeah, Zalal. there's one big sharp in here, and I would like to get his opinion. But for now, Zalal's athleticism looks like it's going to take a clean sweep. Um, I'm assuming we're still going to get Parker's picks, and we'll post them over on Angle Pick Pie. Yeah, so, so Parker might have a chance to pick up points from last place. Honestly, a good spot for me. So, again, we do these. We, we give our best bet, and we go for our prediction, but we, we – We'll let you know if we're betting these. And, and to me, it looks like it's a unanimous board layoff here. This one looks tough. So don't, and don't for those betters, the Tapuria submission prop sits at a 315 plus 315. No, I saw, oh, where'd you get 315? I got 235. Oh, 315. You're right. I got 315 too. So inside the distance is 235. So if you want to give up the, uh, the 80 cents, you could get a, you could be saved by a KOTKO. But yeah, so. This one's going to be interesting. And, and the thing about this main card challenge this week is three of the guys, the first three fights are making their UFC debuts and they all seem to be somewhat lethal. So going to be, could be as big of a mix up as any. So this is exciting. So going to the next one, this one's easy for me, like really easy for me. I'm going Tom Aspinall, KOTKO. And that one's one that um, if the line didn't seem so high, I would have bet, but I, I actually think I, I didn't get it in early enough in the week, and it, it steamed all the way up to, like, minus 400 or something. So I'm out now, but that Aspinall minus TKO is, is where I'm at. I'm, I, I do like that one. Could be a good part I of hate, my ad. I hate to continue the trend, but I'm right with Reese on Aspinall TKO. He took a pause between 2016 and 2019 to take up pro- professional boxing, um, and it shows. Since then, he's got three first-round finishes. He's a fucking beast. He's fast with his combos. He's crisp with all of his strikes. I think that this is. I think that this is his fight. Bado's got a decent amount of power. He trains with Cyril Gaon and Francis Ngannou, but I just think Asadol's footwork should keep him safe at range, and he, he should be yeah. landing more. 
That is exactly where I'm at, Dan. Like, to a T, you couldn't have taken the words that out of my mouth. I mean, that's just perfect. I, I, I just think that the boxing and the stand-up is just so apparently favoring in one person, especially at the heavyweight. And so, again, I, I, I never usually advise betting a heavyweight or even a light heavyweight or honestly even a middleweight at that 470 clip because of the fact that it just takes one. But this one's one that you honestly might get away with it. it it's close. Um, Kobe, you're third on deck, and I, I have a weird feeling you're you might aggregate here. I know you you sent shiny your picks early, but what you got? Captain all strikes. Yep. And Dan, did you go by strikes as well? I did. Okay. So three Aspinall strikes. Shiner, you're up. Aggregate Aspinall strikes. Uh, interesting note for the betters. Uh, fight starts round two minus 105. Fight won't start round two minus 125. Look for this KO to happen either the first or early part of the second round. Yeah, if that. I mean, it, this is one of those where you might blink and miss it. You know, don't go to the bathroom before this one. Because, And, again, I, I I don't hope I'm eating words, but it would be pretty cool to see Aspinall get flattened. But I, I just really don't see it. There's So, so far, we've across the board for both both fights. So, this is – maybe Parker can pick up some points here. Moving along, chugging along. Now, this one is one that I'll – full disclosure, because I'm leading off, I didn't – get to tape as much as I would like. It was it was hard to find tape on Drykus. I just went off his sure dog and his record to really try to gauge what type of fighter this guy is. I usually use MMA core. Um, for any of you UFC DGENs out there, or MMA DGENs, you can find so many fights on there. Then I go to YouTube next if it's not there. I had a tough time finding any fights recently from this guy, but his submission game looks to be on par. Marcus Perez has a two and three record in the UFC. This is one that on our guess the line spread, I actually threw um, Marcus Perez as the favorite. That was my honest guess. Um, and I was wrong. I'm going to go ahead and hope that I'm right here. And I'm going to go Marcus Perez, even though he's a dog at plus 135 right now, I, I still think that his UFC experience and his skill set is going to be enough to get the job done. And, and it is concerning that he's an underdog, and it is concerning that I can't find tape, and it makes me think that the odds makers and the Lions guys might be on something that I'm not. But I just – I have to go with my gut here. I set the line higher than it is. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets finished. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to go Marcus Perez, and I'm going to do it by KOTKO. No, I'm not. I'm going to go Marcus Perez submission. Fuck it. Let's ride. Danny, you're up. Reese mentioned that this one was a tough one to tape. I, I was able to find a couple of KSW fights of Drakus Duplessis. Dude looks good. Perez is crazy. He's famous. He, he, uh, or famous for uh, donning like Joker makeup at all of his weigh-ins. He's, he's a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> Absolutely psycho, but he also fights super unorthodox, like almost reminiscent of Tony Ferguson with his strikes. He is just absolutely crazy, and, and another guy you don't want to blink when he's watching or when he's fighting. Duplessis has a K1 kickboxing rec or background, but he's also pretty decent at grappling. I'm going to go Duplessis by TKO here. I think that he makes a absolute statement in his debut. 
No, and Dan, I really like that pick. I was I was going off my initial gut. One thing I would like to add quickly is so Sherdog has Duplessis as five wins by KOTKO, nine wins by submission. So on paper, you go, okay, this guy's a grappler, he's a sub guy. But Dan mentioned his kickboxing prowess, and you look, and if you look at at props, Plessis by submission is plus six ten. And then him by KOTKO is plus 190. So, so that's actually looking like the most likely outcome based on the odds that Plessis gets that KOTKO. But I'm still riding Marcus Perez. I think his experience will get it done. Dan's taking Plessis by KOTKO. Kobe, aggregating's not going to help you much. What you thinking? DDP, club, and then sub. Mm, you dirty boy. I like that plus one. Plus 610. And wow. that's good. That's definitely got the skill set to do it. Dude, this looks like I'm excited. This one looks like a, a place where I'm gonna extend my lead a little bit. Because Shiner's been for those who we're on video right now, and Shiner's been pumping his fist every time someone says Duplessis. What do you think of Shine? January 14th, gang, only breeds elite fighters and individuals in human society. We're up January 14th. Duplessis by knockout. So moving forward. I like that I'm on an island here, although I'm not confident. Now we're getting into the ones where on our special pod, Danny and I drilled the line almost to a T on all three of these. This one's quite exciting. I'll take the cake here. I'm going to go Ben Rothwell, and I'm going to do it by KOTKO. Where I'm at on this one is I think if Marcin Tibera takes him down, he could ride out this round easy. And there's a high chance that this one's an absolute snooze fest. However, Rothwell's one of the few guys who cuts weight to get to 265. I mean, he is, if he was green, you would mix him up with Shrek. I mean, he's a big, big man. And so I think that he's going to be harder to take down than most people think. He's a veteran in the sport sitting in at 38 and 12. I mean, he's, he's been to war quite a few times here. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's by decision. I do give the edge to Ben Rothwell. I personally am going to go KOTK. I know Tibera's not necessarily known for being chinny, but uh, Derek Lewis caught him and some others. So I'm going to go Ben Rothwell by KOTK. Yeah, for me, I know that, uh, I mean, you introduced this fight pretty well. Well, it's actually, Marcin also, I think, cuts a little bit to make 265. He's another big boy yeah, in the he was weighed in. At, he weighed in at 250 or 255 on sure Dog. So, I don't know if that's his walking around weight or he gets he, – he cuts down to get there. Um, but he's someone that people – oh, no, his weight's listed at 249, actually. Um, but one thing of note is a lot of people, when I've talked to them, it sounds like they think that Tibera is going to be losing – to Rothwell in a, in a height standpoint, and he is, he's barely. Uh, Rothwell is 6'3", Tibera is 6'2", and then Rothwell is 78.5-inch reach, and Tibera is 78. So that's a little bit of a misconception, so something it might add, but I think weight does still favor Rothwell. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry for interrupting you. Just interesting Yeah, no worries. There. These are both massive dudes. Um, ben Rothwell of Kenosha, Wisconsin, has all the power and then some to end Marcin's night early. Uh, I look for Marcin to clinch here and try and utilize some judo trips and throws. And as you said, Reese, try and steal some rounds by just laying on top of him, making this fight boring. Tybura generally wins decisions. And 
if the fight finishes, he generally loses. He's a big-time hit-or-miss guy. That being said, I think that Rothwell is going to gut out a decision here. I've got Rothwell by decision. Uh, I do expect Marcin to steal around, and I'm a little bit worried that he might steal too. But I think that Rothwell has got some pretty good grappling defense. I don't think it'll be perfect. I think his power is, is awesome. He's got some good combos. He's great in the clinch, as we saw against OSP. He's good at landing from the clinch. And I think that this fight's going to be pretty – a lot of time spent in the clinch. And so this one – I'm going Rothwell by decision. I think that this is going to be one of the few decision losses that Tybura has in his record. Kobe, what you thinking? I agree with the analysis. I think that if it, if it lasts three rounds, it'll go to Rothwell. But I'm taking Tybura by strikes. Okay. Wow, I like that. Wait, you're taking Tybura by strikes? Yep. Wow. Kobe is throwing caution to the, the wind. The issue of doing... putting out your picks before hearing the analysis is that. No, this is crazy because he's OF, throwing caution. OFD dropped um, Ben Rothwell in their last fight. I think it was in the second it. round. Um, Shiner, where are you at on this next one? So, in this one, I'm going with what I know. And what I know is a good cheese curve. And someone else who I think knows a good cheese curve would be my boy, Ben. Big Ben Rothwell. I'm taking him by decision. Shout out the broad stop, Highway 50, on the way to Kenosha. You heard it here first. And, and again, Shiner, he's a good dude and he's smart. But you can see where he's getting his picks from. It's cheese curd, birthday-based, and potentially if you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who bounces. So it's interesting. I respect it. But uh, we'll see how that rides going into the going for number one. Yeah, go ahead. Only two points short of uh, our shark. I know. I know. I, hey, hey, he's got a point. I throw shade, and then here I am sitting on coast, and I'm two points ahead of cheese curd. Where the real money's made is you follow us on Twitter at AnklePickPod at DKMMACapper. Um, moving forward, now I would be surprised if anyone alters. I actually dare someone to go against the ankle pick lock of the week at Kobe. At Shiner, I dare you guys to do it. But I'm going to go Edson Barbosa by KOTKO, and I'm feeling great about that one. Dan? For me, I've got uh, – I'm going to follow it up. I've got Edson by decision, actually. He did drop Dan Ige really quick in, in their fight, and he's got all the power to end this whenever he wants. In, in a similar kind of thought process to that Tybura lot or, – or that Rothwell pick over Tybura by decision – I think that Amir Khani is going to be able to get this to the mat at some point during the fight. And I think that there's going to be a lot of time that's just dripped and bled off the, off the clock because of their grappling. I don't expect this to be a problem for Barboza as, as a proficient BJJ uh, practitioner, but Makwan is the better wrestler. Uh, I mean, I, I just said it, but Barboza is a legit brown belt from a Henzo Gracie lineage, that's no joke. I've got him by decision here because Makwan struggles with really technical strikers, and Edson Barbosa is as technical of a striker as you can find. His switch kick is so fast. The dude's awesome. Yeah, for me, I went, I went a little quick on my analysis. It's just more that when you look at a guy like Makwan, I mean, he's definitely looking to ride the submission, and – he actually got KOT killed by Shane Burgos, and he also had a tough time with Chris Fishgold, even though he did win by sub there. It was a sweat for a little while. He likes to lean on the sub. 
Like you said, Dan, Edson Barbosa is definitely no slouch on the ground, especially being Brazilian. And the main reason more than anything else that I have this as the ankle pick lock, but also one of my favorite bets and picks of the week is strictly the matchup. It's nothing against Makwan Amirakami. It's no, it's no, oh my God, Edson's the second coming of Jesus. It's just that the matchup of Edson striking and his ability to, to defend the ground versus Makwan going after the sub. I, I just think that matchup really favors Edson. And although it's steamed all the way up to 250, I, I still think it's layable. And so that's why I'm going KOTKO. I know you're going decision. Both are great options. That's why I would just lay the money line if you're looking to bet this because it really can go any way for Edson. Kobe, I dare you to go for Makwan, but I have a feeling you won't. What do you think? I won't. Barbosa decision. Okay. Shiner. Barbosa KO. I'm a big Makwan guy. I've on a previous episode, I did ride Makwan. I uh, love the SVG Ireland uh, training crew that he's with, but I am going with Barboza by KO. Particularly, I'm thinking a high kick, one of those great switch kicks he throws. Very possible. Yeah, I, I really like Makwan as well. I actually usually ride him. I, I think I've rode him in his last three fights, something like that. And I know he lost with Shane Burgos, but um maybe last four and he, he's three and one he's done well for me but I mean I like Mark one a lot but I, I just think matchup wise this one is kind of where he met his match and it seems like the panel of experts and Kobe also agree so let's go let's keep trucking along and I think what's last main event because that was the co-main yep so this one's gonna be interesting I, I have a feeling we're gonna be more split on this one than usual we got Marlon Marais versus Corey Sandhagen and this is one that, again, I, I hate to say it for the fifth time, but Danny and I really dove into when we were guessing the line on where we thought this was going to go. I'll just reiterate for those who didn't listen to that quick podcast that we released on Tuesday. So I expected Corey Sandhagen to be the favorite, but I expected the line to start to creep towards Marlon Marais a little bit. Marlon's a guy who brings name value to the table. He brings experience to the table. He brings the flashiness to the table. He brings the excitement to the table. He's a guy that a lot of people like, and I imagine that the average casual better might go, oh, I'm going to throw 50 bucks on Marlon Marais or whatever. The thing is, Corey Sandhagen went out and got very quickly subbed by Aljo, and that's a guy that Marlon Marais took his head clean off with a knee. So tough to – when you do MMA math and you're like, oh, well, Marlon beat Aljo – definitively and Aljo beat Corey definitively so by the properties of whatever Marlon's gonna win and, and it's just not that Corey's a very lanky, lanky fighter for bantamweight Marlon has a very questionable gas tank at best I think Corey Sandhagen's skill sets honestly are going to be able to get the job done I think that as a five-round main event too it really really helps Corey if it does hit the scorecards because Marlon's a guy who's got every like barely 4% body fat or some shit he gasses you saw it in the Cejudo fight so it's going to be a game of range for Corey he's going to try to stay at range with his length and then if he if he succeeds at that and stays at range it's it's his fight to lose because he'll pick up the scorecards Marlon's going to gas um and and Marlon might even go for a desperation shot of some sort so I, I like Corey here it's a it's a very close line it's a very close fight Anyone can win. This is where it's tough. I think I'm going to go Sandhagen by decision, 
I think that I'm going to lean that way because of the gas tank problems that I have with Marlon. I think that Corey learned a lot from that Aljo fight, and I think that it's going to be a fight where he uses his 5'8 range and just stays at distance, picks Marlon uh, apart while he throws power strikes. I do expect Marlon to work that calf kick, but I, I don't see it being an issue. I'm going to go Corey Sandhagen by decision. I, I could see KOTKO when Marlon gets tired, but I think I'm going to go with my gut. Say decision. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, so I was I was a little bit hoping that you were going to take Marias. Uh, I know that when we talked, you mentioned the other day, we both had Sanhagen as the favorite. Marias is a guy who's looking to get, to get back in that title run after Suhudo KO'd him. He is, finishes over the who's who the division, being Aldo, Jimmy Rivera, Aljo. I mean, who? He's a, he's a sports car. I say it a lot with the metaphor. He starts fast. He's cool to look at, but he also breaks down easily, as you alluded to. Sandhagen is a great technician. He uses reach well, volume puncher. I think you said he was five eight. I actually think he's five eleven. Tapology has him at five eleven. He's absolutely oh, wow. huge for this division. Yeah, that's my fault. I I thought it was five eight. Okay, so so Google has him at five nine. Marlon at five five. But who, I mean, clearly it seems like not many, it seems to be all over the place. Sandagan also has a 70-inch reach as opposed to 67 for Marlon. If 5'11's true, that's, I don't even know how a bantamweight could get to 5'11. I'm inclined to say 5'8", 5'9", but yeah, he's a, he's a long guy. He's a big guy. For real. Uh, for the main event challenge, I'm going to go with Sandhagen by this five-round decision. But I, I, I know I alluded to it on the 13-and-a-half episode, I think this Marias bet at plus money is some decent small value. Look look for me at DK MMA Capper. I think that's a good pick for the, for this main event challenge. I'm going to go Sanhagen by the five-round decision. But, man, this is a tough one. Not for me. Sanhagen strikes. So I like, I like all the picks. I like everyone on Corey. Um, I was talking to the guys a little bit earlier. In terms of Corey's height, I actually ran into him uh, at the Izzy Romero fight in Vegas. Ran into Corey in the Cosmo Casino. And I have great casino. Great love spot. the Cosmo. Shout out Cosmo and Aria. Um, Corey is roughly my height, maybe about a half inch shorter. I'm coming in at about 5'9 and 3 quarters. So I got 5'9, 5'10 as well. Um, in terms of who I like in this fight, this is going to probably be a no bet for me. I really like both guys. I saw Marlon fight Cejudo, which was one of the crazier title fights we've had over the last couple of years. And I've been a guy who's ridden Sandhagen a lot, uh, kind of on his, on his way up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go against the grain here in the aggregator role. I had not made this pick until about a minute ago, but I'm going to go with hmm. Marlon by KO. Um, I do see Corey trying to keep it a distance. I also think that Marlon gasses out in fights where he thinks he needs to get up to the pace of the other fighter. In terms of the Cejudo fight, Cejudo wanted to be at the, in, a, in a really quick fight where it seemed as if Marlon was kind of just matching that pace with a lot of the strikes that he was throwing. I think Marlon's a more dangerous guy, and I think him being the only guy with any five-round fight experience, um, I do give him props in that. And I'm going to go Marlon by KO. That's going to cash out around plus 300. Uh, come Saturday night. Wow. I like that pick. So he also has a chance to gain even more points on me. Not going to lose sleep on it, but that's what it is. So 
moving forward, we're just going to end the night. Great night, guys. Great podcast all around. Thank you all who tune in and listen during your week. We really, really do appreciate it. Reach out to us on Ankle Pick Pod. We always are on it. Always trying to interact with people. It's a fun time. Um, some closing notes. Danny is a sharp. Go follow him on MMA Capper. Kobe, much love for your very little opinions, but leading the chant in the podcast or the a main event challenge. Parker, we missed him this week. We'll get his picks up on the graphic. You guys are used to the graphic. That goes up Saturday before the fights. Um, Danny, do you have any bets ready? I know you said you didn't have a lot of time to, to tape this week so far. Uh, are you just going straight Twitter, or do you have any that you want to add quickly before we close? Well, definitely follow my uh, definitely follow my uh, Twitter and uh, MMA Capper for my latest picks. But I do think I'm going to move on that ankle pick lock of the week at the minus two fifty. I do think that's going to steam up even more. Yeah, I like that play too. For me, um, just going to touch on it quick before close, and it'll also be on Twitter. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to move in on. Uh, I'm going to throw Tom Aspinall in some sort of parlay. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm definitely going to bet Barbosa at minus 250. I like that one there. Um, Probably going to throw a unit on Corey Sandhagen. We'll see. It really depends where the public goes on that one. I like to not only use my MMA knowledge, but also try to use my years and years of gambling to, to game the system a little bit. Um, and then I'm, 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 I'm going to bet Tony Kelly as well. I just, I really feel like he's got the edge on that one. And as a runner up to the ankle pick lock, I do have good confidence in him. Um, so stay tuned to our Twitter at ankle pick pod. We'll, we'll update everyone there. Again, thank you all for listening. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.